All right, welcome back. FF Dynasty 260 proudly presents episode eight of the Redraft Podcast. Today we're joined by a special guest. I'll let him say hello in just a minute, but the four of us are going to recap week four of the 2018 NFL season. My name's Pat Loftus. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Pat. Seth, say hello. Tell the people where they can find you and give them a quick update on the Jersey giveaway because we got some big news on that coming up real quick. Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at FF the at home dad because I am the at home dad. I've uh, been really excited about this uh, DeAndre Hopkins jersey that is going to be given away this week um, with the Houston and uh, Indianapolis game coming in. Uh, it's a beautiful signed jersey. It looks phenomenal. And most importantly, it is a authentic signed DeAndre Hopkins jersey from our really good friends over at pristineauction.com. Uh, if you've been in, in and around sports for any amount of time, you, you've heard about these guys, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com. They do a lot of amazing auctions. Uh, that you can get phenomenal things for a great price, but nothing beats free. So make sure you follow us and make sure you follow the entire FFD260 team on Twitter at FFD260. Find the tweet for the DeAndre Hopkins jersey, retweet it, and make sure you get your opportunity to win that beautiful, beautiful jersey. Do not miss out on that. October 7th is the giveaway. Make sure you follow us and Pristine Auction. John, say hello. Tell the people where they can find you on Twitter. Hey, it's John McGlynn here. You can find me at JF McGlynn on the Twitter machine. Awesome. And our special guest, our first ever special guest on the Redraft Podcast, Mike, say hello. Tell the people where they can find you on Twitter. Give them a little background on you as well. Hey, folks. My name is Mike Finelli. You can find me on Twitter at MikeSports22. Uh, you can ask me anything from fantasy football to NFL to college to the NBA, sports in general. Just let me know. Uh, be on the lookout for my weekly PPR rankings and my start sit column where I'll tell you who you should sit, who you should start, and a sleep at each position. Awesome. Great stuff, man. Glad to have you on. Thanks for joining us this week. Appreciate it, guys. So uh, as a as a special, special gift – to our first ever person coming on. We're going to play a little game um, called Lone Rangers or Thelma and Louise. You ready, Mike? Let's get to it. So the idea of the game is uh, goes back to an old movie and an old TV show, The Lone Ranger. If you've ever watched it, right before a commercial break, it looks like he's about to fall off a cliff, but miraculously he gets out of, out of, the, out of the car, off the horse, whatever, right in the nick of time. And that's kind of who we're looking at for players here, that you can see a cliff coming and you're trying to bail out at the very last second before you go off the cliff with them. And then our other set of players are Thelma and Louise. And I'm not going to admit to having watched this movie, but at the end of the movie, it's the two of them in a convertible, holding hands, driving into the middle of the Grand Canyon, they don't care about the cliff. They're going down in the, in the flames of glory. So who are you following in that car and just riding along, holding hands, jumping off the cliff with? You know, for, uh, someone, Seth, for someone who's never seen the movie, you know a lot about it. <laughs> <laughs> cliff notes, man. Cliff notes. Gosh, and make those for movies? 
Cliff notes. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Sure, sure. All right. Well, <laughs> this is your this is your baby. This is is your game, uh, your your project here. So, lead us off. Who are you? Uh, who is your Lone Ranger player? Who are you? The Cliff's coming. So, Bale. Who is it for you? So for me, um, and this is gonna upset some people. But I've been talking about it a little bit already. It's going to be Pat Mahomes and some of the rest of the Kansas City offense. Uh, and there's a couple of reasons for this. One, I don't fully trust Andy Reid to be the Andy Reid that he's been for the first four weeks. If you looked at Andy Reid from last year, Andy Reid and Kareem Hunt, and they looked absolutely amazing. And then they completely suffered through the what was it six weeks in the middle of the season where the play calling just got like really mediocre and bland and predictable by defenses. And then the second part is, is the defenses that the chiefs are going up against for the next string of weeks are all really good defenses. And in the first game that they played against a really good defense, Pat Mahomes had to throw the ball left handed in order to get a first down. Like, he is an incredible player. I 100% agree with that. But I think what's happening is everybody has him just up on such a pedestal that maybe him just falling off the pedestal is the cliff that I'm looking at. But I do not see him being able to come anywhere close to maintaining what he's been able to do. And like I said, against the, uh, Denver this past week, he he struggled against a much better defense. He still looked good at times, but at times he had to be so creative. He had to throw the ball left-handed. What do you guys think about Pat Mahomes? Yeah, uh, I'll take this one. I'm, ahead, I'm, I, for a young kid like this to start out the way he has and just make things happen, and he doesn't need to throw four or five touchdowns every week. He just gets it done. So um, you go right off the. You could bail. I'll pick him up. Uh, I'll jump and I'll, I'll, I'll be at the end of the cliff holding his hand so he doesn't fall off the side. I'll, I'll keep him saved. It's very sweet of you, John. Yeah, I'm <laughs> kind of right there with you, John. Hey, let's, let's make this three for three because I'm with them. I mean, I understand the regression coming. Jacksonville this week, New England afterwards, so it's a couple of tough defenses. But even so, against Denver, we had to throw the left-handed pass and only had the one touchdown. He still got you 23 fantasy points. That's Phenomenal. I'll take that every week. That's 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 good, but he's going up against better better and better defenses. The defenses are gonna keep getting better that he's gonna play against. I just I, I just the like I said, the cliff might just be him falling off the pedestal that he's set for himself with throwing six touchdowns, uh what was it in week two. So yeah, he's he set himself up for a little bit of a cliff there, but that's that's my my that's my lone lone ranger guy. I want to kind of bail out of him before he um, before he falls down too much there. So you're talking about bailing and possibly trading him while his value is at the highest. Not I think because I think some of us have got guys in here that when you talk about bailing, these are guys we're we're dropping completely off our rosters. Yeah, look. I mean, if we're and we're always talking about standard one quarterback leagues, um, if I'm able to get a RB one or two for Pat Mahomes because of what he's done right now, I'm taking that in a heartbeat because there's there's somebody else that I'm going to be able to pick up that I can fill in. And even though it's going to hurt when Pat Mahomes does have another five touchdown game, it's going to hurt a little bit. I hope I'm not playing against the team that I traded him to in that week, but I could pick up and. Andy Dalton and be be happy with Andy Dalton and a and a, and a great running back. 
So that's fair. That's fair. I can see that for sure. Uh, all right, Mike, who is your Lone Ranger player? Well, my guy is not someone anybody's going to trade for, Jamal Williams. I had high hopes for him entering the season, hoping he could separate himself from Aaron Jones during Jones's two-game suspension. However, he has failed to score a touchdown this season or score over seven PPR points in three of his four games. His yards per carry is only at 3.4. He only has five catches in four games. It's time to drop him. Montgomery clearly is the pass catcher. Aaron Jones has looked well in the two games he's come back touching the ball. I'm sorry. Yeah, touching the ball on 41% of his snaps in the two games he's played. Green Bay wants to pass the ball, obviously, and Jamal Williams is an afterthought at this point. He should be dropped in all standard-sized leagues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, this may be one of those things where he 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 may have already gone off the cliff, and now it's just time time to try I'm, and par- parachute. I'm recovering the body and, like, and burying him in saying a prayer for him. He's done. <laughs> he's gone off the cliff and crashed and exploded, and it's all bad from here. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is like the one where you're like hanging on by like a finger. And on I like just walk over and the... step on and then he... Ah! <laughs> yeah, exactly. At least there was some hope for Jamal Williams. I uh, I have LaShawn McCoy as my uh, cliff is coming, so bail. I think a lot of people already threw LaShawn McCoy off the cliff before the season started. <laughs> Buffalo is so bad. But um, I, I had a little bit of hope for him. But typical LaShawn McCoy fashion, he's hurt every week. He's got a horrible team. He's not going to recover from these injuries. Uh, you know, he's perfect for, you know, the first play of the game or run a 50-yard run, get hurt, and just miss the end zone and then be out the whole game, and you can't start him for two weeks. And I'm, I'm done with the LaShawn McCoy. This is probably his last year in the league anyway, so I'm just uh, – he's off the uh, – he's my Lone Ranger. John is just coming in hot with the LaShawn McCoy takes. He's so. burned me so many years before in the previous. I hate him. You know, but it is what it is. So I have a question for you. Very important question. Does the Bills Mafia throw him off the cliff and through a table? Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's that's, that's the thing in Buffalo. They go both off the cliff and he goes through the table on the way in. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's how you do it. Nice. <laughs> All right, we'll round out the Lone Rangers. My guy is Chris Hogan. Um, man, what could have been? He he was primed to to have a great four weeks and really establish himself in this New England offense, and he did next to nothing. You now have Edelman coming back. You now have Josh Gordon, who's in week two with the offense. You have uh, other guys establishing you know, Philip Dorsett. You have Cordell Patterson. You have James White. You have all these guys that can catch balls out of the backfield. Now you have Sonny Michelle establishing himself. Yes, Tom, Bar- Tom Brady is a great quarterback. Too many miles to feed in New England. Uh, unfortunately, Chris Hogan is the odd man out, and he is uh, my lone Ranger guy. I am dropping him uh, as fast as humanly possible because I don't think anyone will accept him in a trade. So he is – I'm cutting bait. I'm getting rid of Chris Hogan. Yeah, too bad this is what it was because he was such a crazed player coming into the season, and it just didn't work. He had his window, and it didn't work out, and now it's over. Yeah, unfortunately. See, what's really funny about that is Chris Hogan is my Thelma and Louise guy. Um, I'm holding hands with him as we're driving over the cliff uh, because I, I've invested in him already, and I think – I think we might have like a chitty chitty bang bang uh, scene here where it looks like the cliff is going over and suddenly we got wings and stuff like that because I think Chris Hogan does nothing but get actually better with Edelman and the other pieces come together on that New England offense. I think he is one of those guys that is not a wide receiver one and he was 
thrust into this wide receiver one role and he can't handle it. And having other players around him that take on that wide receiver one role and allow him to be a wide receiver two, line up in the slot, do a lot of those little sneaky things that made him successful last year is actually going to really help him out. I totally agree. Given the fact they've also added Josh Gordon, he's now fourth in the pecking order. Now they got Edelman back, Gronk, and Gordon. You don't expect wide receiver two numbers from him, but on a matchup base, week-to-week flex play, I still hold on to him just for that alone. Hey, what do you think? So I, I, I guess we got two, two to two then, huh? Yeah, I've been, I've, he's burned me every week, every week this year. So I'm, I'm, I'm the jaded Chris Hogan owner. I'm done with him. <laughs> You know what's funny is I have him in a league that I'm 4-0 in, and I've started him every single week. And he just, like, aside from the one week that he got, what was it, 19? He got me 19 points in that league. Other than that, he's been next to nothing. But I think that eases the pain a little bit for me that I'm 4-0 with him. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just just toot my own horn a little bit. Yeah. Beep, beep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Mike, who is your thumb on Louise player? You, you're, you're riding off the cliff with this guy. I'm riding off with Amari Cooper, and it's almost purely sentimental. I know he's wildly inconsistent. You can't figure out when he's good, when he's crap, but it, it's very simple. And I go back to Seth's point from the roundtable in the preseason with Mike Evans, odd weeks, even weeks. With Cooper, odd weeks, don't play him. He's averaging a lousy three-and-a-half PPR points. And the even weeks, 24.2. Problem solved. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm sticking with him. Because it's sentimental to me. I love him coming out of the draft. I think he's a good fit in Oakland. I think I buy John Gruden's BS that they're going to funnel the offense through him. Even though Jared Cook's a tight end one. I'm sucker for that kind of thing. I'll live with it. He's on the field for 86% of the snaps. Highest among the Rays receivers. 18% target share. And while some people may have drafted him thinking, okay, this is the year he's the wide receiver one. It's not going to happen. But I think he can, despite his inconsistency, overall play well enough that he's a low-end wide receiver, too, for you this year. And if you just luck out with knowing when to play him and when not to play him, you can have success off him. But I would not be opposed to the next big game he has, selling him off if you can get yourself a you know, mid- to high-end RB2 instead. So frustrating. It is. But, yes. again, when he has those big games, you're just sitting there going, this is why I played you. And then when he has those horrible games, you're going, this is why I should have benched you. I'm on the opposite side where I had him sitting on the bench when he had his good games and I'm like this son of a biscuit I put him him in a lineup and then he got me to four points I'm like you gotta be kidding me he's the guy like every Thursday I'm reaching out to that owner like hey what's the give me a price check on Amari Cooper and and just see what happens and then you know he'll have another dud game and then next Thursday price check on Amari Cooper just to see where he's at just to see if that price will drop week to week and see if I can get him before he has that big game See, I, I, I'm all in favor right now. I have Amari Cooper in a league that I, I'm trying to sell him right now. Like, I'm, I'm already sending out the, the feelers to people like, hey, you need a wide receiver. Look at what he just did. And I'm trying not to have him say anything about what his next four weeks will be because it'll probably be trash until he gets his one other game where he comes up and it's like, oh, there he is. He did it again. 30 points. Yes. Because I, I just, I, it's just too difficult to like play him week to week, and exactly like you said, Mike, of like that. This is why I started you. This is why I should bench you. And I feel like if I got to do that every week, and I'm gonna get it wrong 
from time to time, I just it just makes it it makes me frustrated. I'd, oh, I'd, I'd almost agree. rather pass on. I totally agree. And at this point, if you like, I said you could turn around and flip him for something. I got I traded James Connor. I'm gonna blow my own horn for a second. I traded James Connor away for him and Sonny Michelle two weeks ago, and then I just traded Cooper away to get me uh, Adam Thielen. So. Oh, I, I think that's a great trade, actually. Yeah. Oh, because even though Cooper probably has a little more upside, if you just want to totally take on a raw basis, that he's the only guy in that offense, he's going to kill with targets. The Rays are going to be behind. Blah 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 blah. Feeling's consistent. He's so like consistent. Is right. Nailed and, it. And if you don't, and if you're like you and me, you just don't want to do up the up and down, up and down nonsense. Hey, I'll take it. But I'm not going to sell him low just for the sake of not dealing with it. I'd rather pull my hair out and say, well. Damn, I should have not played him. I should have played him this week, then give him away for a bargain value. Right. I mean, if you if you have like consistency in your other wide receiver spots, then yeah, let let Amari Cooper rock. Like if you have if you have like Michael Thomas, Thielen, and Amari Cooper's your third, like let him rock because there's gonna be weeks where he's gonna literally drop 30 points and it's gonna be a game changing. And then hopefully when he drops his dookie, you know, five point game. You can you can make up for because Dalen and Thomas have their ridiculous games exactly. on a weekly basis. Exactly. Yeah. All Pat, right. Pat, why don't you uh, go next? All right. I am unfortunately I, I I'm in the car. Demarius Thomas is riding shotgun, and we're going over that cliff together. See ya. Uh, is, <laughs> yeah. Is Cortland <laughs> is Cortland Sutton waving? Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton cut the brake lines so that we can't stop before we go over the cliff. I'm, oh, I'm so. You guys use the frustrated word with Cooper. I'm using the frustrated word with Demarius Thomas. He's he's leading the Broncos in targets. He's only you know he's four catches behind Emmanuel Sanders, but he's 150 yards behind Sanders. Same amount of touchdowns. I I'm I'm watching Denver games and I'm just I'm screaming at Case Keenum. And I just I, I want to see what he can do with a capable quarterback. And I know I probably plugged Keenum as a, the capable guy as an upgrade from last year, but man, it's so frustrating to see Demarius Thomas, you know, just uh, he uh, just fall off the cliff. It, oh God, I can't believe it. <laughs> well, my thumb on Louise here is Saquon Barkley. I I love the corners. I whether it be one or twelve in every fantasy draft, I try to trade for them when when it, when the draft start. Um, this year I ended up being from seven to nine, almost in all. I'm in 13 leagues, so this this seven to nine situation put me right in the spot where I got Saquon Barkley in the first round in almost every league. And uh, whether I like it or not, I'm handcuffed to him. I'm going over the cliff. We're bur- I'm burning the car with him. It's over. I, I, I'm stuck to Saquon Barkley, whether I like it or not. And like I said, even if the Giants team, we talked before the show saying when the if the Giants and when the Giants uh, implode. I'm going where I'm imploding with Saquon. Me and him are just burning up together on the bottom of the cliff. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I can't blame you. If you if you got him, you you do it. You burn at the bottom of the cliff. Hopefully, you brought marshmallows. Make make a party out of it. <laughs> if that Giants, oh, I should say, when that Giants offense totally implodes, Barkley's going to be the only guy you can start with confidence because he's going to be getting the carries on the ground and the short passing game. And, I, I love that I have him in Dynasty. I love it, but the redraft stuff. Uh, you're safe to trot Barkley out there every week. He, like you know, he's gonna get he's gonna get you know 15, 18 touches. He's gonna see somewhere I don't know seven, eight, maybe fifteen you know targets every game. So you're yeah. gonna you're gonna have that consistency with Barkley. Um, you just doesn't he doesn't get hurt yet. 
just just hope that that Giants O line isn't uh, I don't know a revolving door and he just get doesn't get blown up in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Oh man! So let's speaking of that, uh, let's move over to our injuries from the last week and what a what a brutal brutal week we say that every week but what a brutal week for uh for injuries and we'll start with arguably the worst one um and no one's probably surprised to see this name on the list but it's tyler eifert just a gruesome broken ankle that's a season ender he is done for 2018 you hate to see it happen um because the the talent is definitely there but uh, that should that might do it for the the tyler eifert uh NFL career as well. I was, I was, I was at my hurt. friend's house watching this game and they said, Oh, Tyler Eifert's hurt again. I'm like, again, what happened now? Like it was some kind of BS injury. And I look over and I see his leg like turned sideways. I'm like, Holy cow. Yeah, so that, it was, it was bad. Yeah. It wasn't pretty. No. See, you said the worst. I, I think it's the saddest too, because it's like Eifert was finally like, he was like finally coming back and it was like, okay, he's going to, he's going to be all right. 2018. He's going to come back and his, he looks good and he's healthy. He's been able to play four games and oh god, your foot shouldn't have pointed in that direction. Yeah, they uh, call that ladder rinse repeat. <laughs> yeah. uh, so another bi- lot of it was a rough week for tight ends, man. Uh, Gronk shows up on the injury report as well with an ankle injury. He did not practice Monday or Tuesday, so there's a very good chance he won't be playing on Thursday. They're coming out off a short week, so. I don't know what to tell you. Gronk is the guy that if you have him, you're you're starting him every week. And even with an injury, I mean, this might come down to the wire Thursday night. So I I, I don't know. I'm not a, I don't have any shares of Gronk anywhere. So if anyone does, chime in on what you're thinking, how you're feeling this week. I didn't touch him. Oh, I got him in a number of leagues. And what the good news is it's Thursday, not Monday. So at least you know early on he's in, he's out. You can make a plan to quote. You don't have to wait till Monday and go, crap, now who are I gonna grab Dwayne Allen? Forget it. Um, but anybody who drafted Gronk should have drafted the second tight end. I have a number of leagues where I drafted early and managed to get Jordan Reed late to go with Gronk. So assuming Jordan Reed is wrapped in bubble wrap and not hurt in practice this week, <laughs> I should be fine for Monday night. If not, I got Vernon Davis. But, you know, again, with Gronk, you always have to worry about he's Other than the back injury two years ago, he's always had these games where he misses one or two a year and you just have to put up with the crap. Um, once he is healthy, and I still think there's a chance he plays Thursday, but once he's healthy and he's back – his production should go back up because now that they held Edelman back, Gordon more involved in the offense. Hogan will go back to being the you know third, fourth option in the passing game. He'll be back in his role he belongs to. Teams can't just double team Gronk at the line of scrimmage anymore and say, "Hey Brady, beat us with all the you know jags you got around you." Nobody cares about these average dudes. So this week, you know, hope he plays, and if not, there's not much on the waiver wire. Take a deep shot on you know maybe with somebody with some upside. Hopefully Vance McDonald, but some dumb chance is still around, maybe, but. It's going to be tough, obviously. Yeah, definitely. That's the one you're watching until right before kickoff to see what the final word is on Gronk. Yeah, yes, but you... don't get Dwayne Allen. People say all the time, should I get Dwayne Allen? <laughs> no. The answer is no. No. <laughs> get a bag of bricks instead. You're in the same boat. No. <laughs> get a bag of bricks and take them out one by one. Hit yourself in the face with them. No. And say that each time. No. Each time the thought comes in your head, start Dwayne Allen. No. But the words is, is that too much? Sorry. No, 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 point. no. <laughs> point taken. All right. Uh, let's see. Wrapping up the tight end injuries this week. OJ Howard, uh, the dreaded sprained MCL. I think this is the third week in a row we've talked about sprained MCLs. Uh, OJ Howard's out two to four weeks. 
Good news is Tampa Bay is on a bye this week, so he may only miss one game. Um, if you have an O.J. Howard, go out and get Cam Brate. Uh, we'll talk about him a little more later, but go out and get Cam Brate because Howard's going to miss at least a week, um, maybe more. Um, popping up on the injury report again, Leonard Fournette. This is three weeks in a row with a bum hamstring. And so uh, his coach came out today, uh, Doug Marone came out and said, they're uncertain on when he's going to come back. So this is not something you want to hear about a guy you probably took anywhere from the late first to, to late second round in your draft. Um, I fire up all the Yeldon and, and, and Corey Grant, I guess, until further notice. Yeah, just just frustrating. I don't think there's any other way to say it. You you put him in thinking, okay, everybody's saying he's fine. He looks, he wants to get back in there, and I think that's. I honestly think that's why he's hurt again is because he wanted to get back in there and he probably, I mean, it, he's hurt again. So he, just, should, he should have waited out it, that, that extra week. And unfortunately hamstrings are that, that they're the most fickle injury because it could, it, they literally, they last from maybe a week or two if it's just like oh i got a little tweak too if you got like a recurring hamstring in you it could it could literally ham like hog tie you for the entire year well, it sucks i'm looking at the rest of the names on our list here i see hamstring 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 i see five people talk with hamstring injuries and that doesn't include dalvin cook who we don't have on the list who says he's not 100 percent. there's another hamstring injury yeah, so, is Fournette, is Fournette a young version of uh, you know Lashawn McCoy? Is that is that what it's going to be the rest of his career? Just an annoying week by week, frustrating player. It looks like it. Yeah, unfortunately, I think so. I got a question for you guys: Is Fournette renting or owning real estate on the injured list? <laughs> owning. Yeah, I think he's he's on Park Avenue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a rent to own situation where we want him to be renting, but he's he's really in it for the long haul. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. All right, moving on to our wide receiver group here. Will Fuller hamstring injury considered day to day. Uh, and it at least be- he did something before he left with his hamstring injury, though. True, but now he's got Kiki coming off fifteen targets. So, just another mouth to feed in Houston, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the the one non hamstring injury for our wide receivers is Geronimo Allison. <laughs> he was a bit concussed. Uh, he's week to week, so keep an eye on him. Make sure he clears protocol before you plug him in your lineup. Which, if we're ranking fickle injuries that come and go, concussions are another one that that literally could be a nah. I'm fine. I, I can get back into the game, or nope. I'm I'm, I'm done I'm for done. two to three weeks, or yeah. may, maybe even my entire career. So yeah, those, no. those are so strange. I know, yeah. Seth and John. You guys know I'm a big Lions fan, Mike. I- I'm a huge Lions fan. I was watching the game, and TJ Lang, if he, he's a uh, right guard for the Lions, he took a nasty, nasty helmet-to-helmet hit, and it was scary watching him. You know, that's his fourth or fifth concussion, documented concussion. Those are scary things, man. So head injuries. Not to be messed oh, with at all. No. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. All right. Yeah, real no. Quick, real quick note on Allison, though. Yes, keep note of him week to week, but – if he's ready to go this week by chance, or even if it's till, not till next week or the week after, he's only owned in 43% of ESPN leagues, yet he's the wide receiver 28 in PPR, and he's second on the Packers in every whoa, single whoa, category. Oh, Mike, 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 you're stealing my thunder here. Geronimo Allison's my guy. I'm talking about him later. <laughs> oh, my, my, my bad, my bad. I'll come back to it. 
<laughs> I'll have you rattle those st stats off in a few minutes. Uh, um, we'll come back to I, that. Because I liked what I'm hearing. Uh, all right, we'll round out the, some injuries real quick. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, hamstring injury and a weird chest, shoulder. I don't know what was going on there. He's unlikely to play uh, in week five. Sammy Watkins, tweak to hammy week to week. Randall Cobb, hamstring week to week. Browns out the, the, the bigger injuries – uh, from last week again monitor all these situations because these week to week and these soft tissue injuries can be quite tricky yeah and just just to remind people also ty hilton is playing thursday night too so if you're one of those people that doesn't check your lineup until saturday make sure you don't have uh ty hilton in there beforehand uh because you're going to be real upset if he doesn't play thursday night and you check it you know saturday sunday to get ready for the games and yeah yeah. Everyone appreciates the heads up on that. Thank you very much. Yeah, good call, sir. I, I don't think any of us are in that boat, given the, our level of uh, obsession with fantasy yeah. football. But there are people out there yeah. that do that. So, All right. Well, let's get into our uh, top performers and our propping and dropping from week four. We'll start with quarterbacks. And at the top of the list, Mitch Trubisky going ham with 43.46 points. And what's great about this is Seth is dropping Mitch Trubisky. So take it away. Sure thing. Ah. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, Mitch, uh, Mitch Trubisky. Let me try and get his name out of my mouth first before I before I disrespect it. Mr. Um, Biscuit. Yeah. He, he did not go ham. He went full on ham, eggs, bacon, had the full like grits on the side with some hash browns. Like he had a full breakfast there. Um, but the problem is that that's not who he is as a quarterback. Um, and, and I don't think that's who the, the Bears are as an entire team. I, I know a lot of people want that to be who the Bears are because they're so excited about uh, Tariq Cohen and they, they want so much for the offense to be this. But I think Mitchell Trubitsky is so much more what he was for the first three weeks as a quarterback when he literally – and I think everybody's seen this picture now where you see uh, Trubitsky literally looking down a window with a guy wide open that he just did not did not see. Um, yeah, caught him that week. Yeah, I, th I, that one is like – Wide open. I mean, by the time that pitcher's taken, that that play can't happen. But uh, an NFL-level quarterback has thrown that ball beforehand so that that guy is wide open in the middle of that window. Um, but really, the, the thing is, Mitchell Trubisky is just he, – he outperformed himself. And this was such a weird game for the Bears – uh, I think the Bears have a great defense, which is going to make it so that they don't have to put up these type of points. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's really what it is. I just think he's 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 not a bad quarterback. He's just not this. Absolutely. Yeah, almost everybody that was open was sorry, Mike. Almost everybody that was open on this Bears offense was open by ten yards. Like, not like he had to find anybody or make these perfect throws. People were wide open against Tampa Bay. I mean, he didn't have. To, he, could, he sat back there, took his time, waited till something developed, and then took 10 yards for somebody to tackle after they caught the ball. It was ridiculous. And then the only, I guess the only thing worse than playing against Mr. Trubisky this week is if you're playing in a two-quarterback league. And like me, you'll play versus a team that has Mr. Trubisky and Jared Goff on their team as their two starting quarterbacks. 
That was horrible. Did you win by chance? <laughs> uh, no, I only lost by 12 points in reality. I lost 217 to 202. So it was uh, it were 15 <clears throat> points. But it was uh, it was I came awfully close. But it's hard to start when they got 107 points uh, just for those two quarterbacks alone. Two things. One, I played in the league with two QB, similar to how you did. And I had to play golf and Trubisky, right? Now, I did have locks that helped, but I still lost by about 40 points. So, yeah, it, it's it's a nightmare when you have to play two quarterbacks who go off in six-point passing touchdown leagues for, you know, 40-some-odd-plus points. Here's the other thing with Trubisky. Sell him high to some crazy Bears fan in the league. Yes. The six touchdowns. They just see the box score. They see the points. Oh, six touchdowns. Phenomenal. Great. He only threw the ball 26 times. Is he going to throw a touchdown once every four and a half passes going forward? No way. You're lucky if he's going to throw one a touchdown pass once every 24 passes. So, sure way. Get rid of him. If you can turn him into anything at this point, even if it's a flex play. Good call, Mike. The, the only concerning thing with your statement right there, though, is you would have to be in a league with Bears fans. And I, I, I don't know I don't know how I feel about that one. Sorry, Bears. Either Bears fans or early time, you know, for second time fans, uh, you know, players. Or, you know, just find the guy in your league who's the most gullible and tell him, you know, man, I really want to help you out. Let me give you Trubisky and you give me that, uh, you know, that Sony Michelle. Yeah, what is it? Michelle, Michael? I, just give me that guy over there in the Patriots. They don't know what they're doing. Anyway. It was only that easy. Right. Sony, Sony, don't they make VCRs? Exactly. And then at the end of the year when he, you know, threatens to come after you, well, then, you know, call your lawyer. But we'll move on. <laughs> Jared Goff had a great, great performance Thursday night. He was a QB2, 39.3 points, followed closely by Andrew Luck at 35.6. Seth, there's your guy. I'm surprised you're not Woo! propping Andrew Luck this week. Uh, Kirk Cousins, QB4, 31.6. Right behind him, Derek Carr, uh, 31.5. Deshaun Watson was our QB6 with 31.1. John, Marcus Mariota coming in. John talked a lot about Mariota before the show. Yeah, I talked a real lot about him <laughs> for the last couple of weeks. And then I sit him and Corey Davis down, and this is what happens to me. Mariota was our QB7 with 30.3. Uh, Matt Ryan, our QB8 with 29.2. Uh, Andy Dalton, our QB9 with 24.7. And, Mike, you are propping Andy Dalton this week, so take it away for the Red Rifle. Well, when I did this, I kind of looked at it more of a rest-of-season look. But Andy Dalton doesn't have a terrible matchup this week. Um, he does have to play Miami, who has been, you know, not great against quarterbacks. But – or has been, I'm sorry, has been decent against quarterbacks until last week with New England. But you're, you're upsetting John over there, our local Miami fan. <laughs> they're, they're still 3-1, and one, John. Relax. They're, they're, they are going to contend for a playoff spot, and they very well may win this game. But what I was looking at with Andy Dalton was after this Miami game, right, he gets several good matchups going forward. Um, he's been a QB 10 thus far, scoring 16.5 points in three out of his four games. Um, the Bengals are three and one, and can sniff the AFC North title. You know, Pittsburgh's a mess. Baltimore, I just don't trust Cleveland. Don't, don't Cleveland. And you know, after this week, he plays the Steelers, the Chiefs, the Buccaneers, and the Saints, all of which rank in the bottom five against opposing quarterbacks. The Bengals' offense is in sync; they're playing hot. He's got Dalton. He's I'm sorry, he's got AJ Green. He's got Tyler Boyd. Joe Mixon should be coming back. If you need a quarterback because you have an injury issue or you're a streaming position, Dalton's only owned in 53% of ESPN leagues. Go pick him up and play him these coming games as we head into all the bye weeks and whatnot. You won't be disappointed. 
I, I love this because I've been watching Cincinnati games and I, I don't really know why I started watching those games uh, more intently. Um, but right around like week two, I was like, they look good. Like they, they, they look like they're getting a pass rush together. It looks like their offensive line is a little bit healthier. It looks like, like Dalton's having one of those seasons where, where he's not being asked to do too much. And he's finding open guys. It looks like he's back to what was his big year? Was that 2015? Like he looks like he's back to that. And I I, I really like this pick because I see Cincinnati being one of those teams that is going to just be pretty consistent. Like they're not they're not outplaying themselves and they're not they're not like loading up on points on a weak opponent like like Mitchell Trubitsky and playing the the, the hapless Buccaneers. But they're just going out there and they're doing it week in and week out, and they look good as they're doing it. So I, I really like this pick. It's pretty funny how no one gave a cahoot about how the Dolphins did the first three weeks of the season when they were 3-0. But then they got land-based by the Patriots, and everyone, my coworkers, my brothers, my other people in my fantasy football leagues, everyone somehow felt compelled to ask me how my Dolphins did this week. <laughs> so, so, so they play to start the year Tennessee, the Jets, and the Raiders You got Mariota, who was been trashed all last week Carr's been trashed last week, and a rookie I mean, you know, you, you got an easy schedule to start off with Took advantage of it, they're 3-1 and one. I would right. do that with, I, As a Lions fan, with, I would take 2-2 two and two at this point So I'm not going to trash anybody's team that's 3-1 Alright, next Yeah <laughs> uh, QB10 this week, Blake Bortles John, you're actually propping Bortles, so let's hear uh, let's hear your take on, on Blake Bortles. They're playing the Chiefs, who just have no defense. That's why Patrick Mahomes has had to throw the ball a million, or make so many plays uh, to bail his defense out. He's uh, this is Blake Bortles' week, short and sweet. This is uh, this is Blake Bortles' week to shine against the poorest, the, one of the most poorest defense in the leagues. Yeah, no argument there. I, I, I'm just always nervous putting Bortles in, just because I'm afraid he's going to Bortles it up. Which means he's going good usage. to, yeah. No, we do, we all know what it means. Good yeah. usage. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's gonna Bortles it up. Yeah. Great game for him, but somehow he's gonna end up with like eleven points, and you're gonna be like, how? Yeah. How? <laughs> right. yeah. Somehow this will turn into the Jaguars defense slowing down Mahomes, and the Chiefs will win like you know seven to three on a cream hunt touchdown, and that's that. And everybody's yeah. Gonna- yeah. Yeah. Yeldon will get twenty eight carries, and they won't throw the ball more than ten times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Rounding out our, our quarterbacks, Pat Mahomes comes in at QB 11, 22.8. And Joe Flacco was our QB 12, 22.2 points. So a lot of guys we haven't covered yet. Uh, I'm going to talk about Carson Wentz. I'm actually propping him up. Um, we've seen a steady increase. So week two, he went for, he was a QB 22, 255 yards, one touchdown, one reception, went for 11 points. Week four, he's our QB 15, uh, throws for 348 and two scores, 20.7 points. His weapons are healthy. He's healthy. He's a locked-in QB one every week. Um, he's got all his guys back. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing this Philly offense clicking on all cylinders because I think he is uh, hes a straw that stirs the drink, so to speak. And like I said, he's just he's locked in every week. No, no argument. No argument there. Awesome. I, I like I like hearing that. You guys are all in agreement. That's good. Uh, let's see. I think the only one we have Seth, who uh, I'll let him talk about the quarterback he's propping up this week. Uh, Seth, take it away. 
Yeah, so I'm propping up Cam Newton. Um, I, he's coming back from his bye week. He's one of these guys that uh, he's just he just is one of the most consistent quarterbacks that you could put in right now uh, because of the running, because of just being able to have decent passing options there, and he's playing against the New York Giants. <laughs> I, I mean, the Giants found the solution to Drew Brees, which was just let Alvin Kamara run all over them. Um, I, I and, and if they're going to do that with Carolina, I think Cam Newton and CMC are both going to have big days there. Uh, but I, I see CMC coming off of the bye week. Or sorry, Cam Newton coming off of the bye week and just looking really good. Yeah, I agree. And it, it helps he's playing the Giants. Uh, let's see. Let's get into some guys that were dropping. So Seth already covered Trubisky. Uh, John, who are you dropping this week? Oh, this is kind of – I don't mean to be Captain Obvious here, but Fitzpatrick got benched at halftime. They got a bye this week. When the bye comes back in, the Fitzmagic trick is over. It'll be back to the starter. It'll be back to Jameis for the rest of the season, less barring an injury. But it's uh, just in case you didn't know, you can drop Fitzpatrick in just about every format. Yeah, you are you are correct. Uh, it's you know until Jameis becomes Jameis Winston because he's not all that productive. But we'll we'll we'll, we'll burn that bridge when we get there because I think we'll be having that conversation probably around week eight or week nine. <laughs> uh, Mike, who are you? Who is your uh, who's your drop after week four? Well, mine's almost as obvious as Fitzpatrick, but not quite. He still has his starting job at least for now. Uh, I really need to explain it. Case Keenan's been off. He's got to go. Drop him. Yeah. Bye bye. I mean, in, yeah. in a position that's been as deep as quarterback is, if he's still on your roster and it's not like you're in some 12 team 2QB or some crazy 2QB super flex on top of that league or something totally wacko, he needs to go. His fantasy points have dropped each of the weeks so far this season. The last two games, he scored a combined 13 and a half points. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think the, the, what's his name? Tyson Hill or whatever, the gadget quarterback for the Saints has more points this season than. <laughs> Him has all in the last two weeks. Yeah. No passing touchdowns since one, and the Broncos' offense has looked like crap. I mean, you, I know Demarius Thomas came out of his break late last night, wasn't pretty. He over, wasn't running the route tough, but Keenan overthrew him by about six inches. Like he's not Superman. He's Demarius Thomas. He's thirty years old. Let's right. a little more accurate for eighteen million dollars. Right. Oh, and by the way, his next three matchups are against bottom ten teams against opposing, opposing quarterbacks. So he doesn't have a pretty matchup. The Broncos, all they can do is run the ball. And frankly, Case Keen needs to be on the waiver wire or more importantly, kicked out of the league. Yeah. Agreed. No argument on that one. Uh, all right. So after week four, I am dropping Eli Manning. It's been a, a steady regression. Week three, he was your QB 13. Week four, he's your QB 21. He went for 255 and a score with 14.7 points. He's yet to throw for over 300 yards or for more than two touchdowns in a game or score more than 20 fantasy points in the game. There's no reason Eli Manning should be on your roster this week, after this week. I'm glad we don't have any Giants fans on this podcast because we have just been torching the Giants. It's kind of fun. It's kind of fun to not have it be the Lions either because normally it's my Lions. They kind of deserve it. You see how bad that offense is, and they got two elite talents, and yet they are screwing it up. Yeah. I it's a tough time to be a Giants fan because you, you see the talent that they have outside of the quarterback and the offensive line spots, and you just sh- shake your head. You know what could you, what what could they do with anybody? 
Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. He'd be an upgrade over Eli Manning. Can't believe I just said that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can that thing back, but it's yeah. certainly not necessarily much of a downgrade. Right. Do you guys think the Giants messed up and not taking a quarterback in the draft by Absolutely. taking Tony Michelle? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I just wanted to make sure everybody else felt the same way, but yes. And I love Barkley, but when you're sitting there with Eli at 36 and he has played like crap the last couple of years, you got to figure out what you're doing at quarterback. They could have come back at the top of the second round and grabbed any number of backs, Chubb, Geis, et cetera. We find running backs in the middle rounds all the time, Hunt, Kamara, and yet they take Barkley, who is a great talent, but the reason why quarterbacks go at the top is because they're quarterbacks. Yeah, that that's going to haunt the Giants for a while. Especially considering the guy they should have took is sitting over there in New Jersey. Or <laughs> the Jets. No, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. So that wraps up quarterbacks uh, for week four. We're going to move over to running backs. No surprise, top of the list. Alvin Kamara, just a monster game. And, again, every week we're talking about somebody on the Saints who is the top performer at their position. It's been Breeze. It's been Kamara. It's been Thomas. Well, it's Kamara, again, 41.1 points, uh, followed closely by Zeke – not closely, but followed in second by Zeke Elliott, 34 points after he destroyed my Lions. Uh, James White coming in Mm -hmm. as our RB3, 31.2 points. Mike, you're propping up James White. Uh, Take it away. Well, there is not a bigger James White fan in all of fantasy football than me. I loved him coming in the year. Everybody said, you're crazy. I said, well, if you're playing in standard, maybe you don't like him as much. But in PPR, he's gold. Currently, he's the RB7 and has scored at least 14 points in every game, despite only having 20 rushing attempts all season long. His three rush, or his three receiving touchdowns is tied for the lead league with Melvin Gordon. With Burkhead on IR and Sonny Michelle only seeing five targets so far this season, which is actually two less than the fullback, White is a safe RB2 in PPR leagues who should be started weekly unless you have some crazy, you know, Melvin Gordon and uh, Todd Gurley combination or whatever. White is the, I don't want to say the Adam Thielen of running backs because I'm the same upside, but he is very consistent in what he does because his role is cut out specifically. And now they have Burkett on IR and it's Michelle's on back and White's the pass catching back. You could play both guys on a weekly basis as the RB2 and be confident what's going to happen. Yeah, he, his role is clearly defined. He is He's going to produce. He's a very, very safe floor and a very high ceiling, um, as evident by his 31.2 points in week four. Yeah. Can't argue with you there. And I, I will say John might be a bigger James. John's been preaching about the New England running backs Although I won't say who his top choice was, Rex Burkhead, but he's been all aboard the, the New England Patriots and the running backs this year. Yeah, I closed my eyes and crossed my fingers and tapped my toes together that Rex Burkhead was going to be the guy. He was yeah, he propped up to be in the preseason, but when he went down and everything was uh, the wheels fell off the cart on that one, I've been all over James White and it's been it panned out pretty well. So Mike gets a great pick this week. I was on the Burkhead train in the preseason saying, okay, you know what? Michelle's got the knee issues, not practicing. He had the surgery in the preseason. Okay, Michelle's going to you know, be the guy later on, but Burkhead's a great RB2 to start the year. Safe. You know you know what you're going to get from him. And then the report came out about the knee tan. I'm like, well, rip that idea up. Moving on. So. Yeah. I, no, I don't think everybody's going to disagree with you there. James White is uh, um, sky's the limit moving forward. Uh, RB4, Melvin Gordon, 30.9 points. RB5, Tariq Cohen, 30.4 points. I think uh, – I don't know who would be a bigger surprise, our RB5 or RB6, Mike Davis at, at 28.4 points. Um, 
just great weeks from some guys you, you know, I don't think you're expecting 30 points out of Cohen every week, but that's what no. you get when your QB throws for six touchdowns. Right. Uh, RB7 for the week is Naheem Hines, 28.3 points. And he's actually a guy that I am propping up. Uh, just had a monster week for uh, catching the ball. He got 11 targets. He caught nine of those for 63 yards and two scores. Still ran the ball four times, only for 10 yards. Um, but he leads right now. He's leading the Colts in receptions. He's second in targets behind T.Y. And T.Y. is more than likely not playing in week five. So if Hines is out there on the waiver wire, go get him. If you have him, he needs to be started in every format possible um, because, it, you know, there's a very good chance Indy's playing from behind. You're looking at a negative game script, and they're going to be dumping the ball off. They're going to be feeding Naheem Hines through the air. And everybody knew that was going to happen. Naheem Hines was taunted as a, nothing but a PPR back. Well, it's okay to be nothing but a PPR back when you're a great PPR back. So that's, that's great. If you're catching nine balls a game, that's nine points right out of the shoot. You mix in any extra yardage, maybe you, you sneak in a touchdown. Yeah, he, I mean, safe floor, high ceiling, especially for an indie team that's looking at, at a lot a lot of negative game scripts this year. Mm-hmm. Totally agree, especially with a team that just cannot run the damn ball. No. They don't They don't even pretend to hide anymore. They just say, you know what, you're going to throw 65 times a game, get the shoulder warmed up. Just, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're giving him massages in between possessions to keep that shoulder exactly. loose. They got a guy specifically on the team said, "Okay, make sure Luck's shoulder stays loose. We don't want it tightening up because if it does, we're screwed." Right. Mines has the upside to be, I want to say, I don't want to say a poor man's, but a lesser version of James White, where he has the fine role. Even if he doesn't do a ton on the ground because it's small statue, and they just don't run the ball. Like you said, if he gets nine catches a game, it's phenomenal. If I get four and a half and you know forty yards and a touchdown every third week, that's a flex play going forward. Absolutely, absolutely. All uh, right, RB8, Kareem Hunt, 26.5 points just ahead. Actually, uh, Gurley and Gio Bernard tied here at 25.6 points. Uh, coming in next, TJ Yeldon, 23 points. And, John, you are propping up TJ Yeldon this week. So what do you got on TJ? Well, this is a de facto prop up because – I think they're going to have to shut down Fournette for maybe a week, couple weeks. Um, this is a weekly show, so this is this my week prop up is TJ Yeldon because I think he's going to be the one to carry the offense for the Jaguars this week. Uh, at least this week, possibly weeks, plural, moving forward because that those hamstring injuries can be tricky. Yep. Yes, they are. As we find out the hard way every week when you start Fournette and he comes in one play, pulls his hamstring and leaves. Yep. Oh, yeah, for sure. So this one, well, this one's a surprise, not in the name or the number of points, but just how he did it. Nick Chubb comes in at our RB12 with 22 and a half points, three carries, 105 yards, and two scores. I've never seen anything like that. <laughs> it's certainly a rarity at that. So I know all the the talk now is to get the you know get Nick Chubb the ball more times. I, I think we'll we'll see it a little bit more, but you know. I don't think you're going to see a jump from three carries to 15 carries. It was it was more poor tackling by Oakland, just good breakaway, good blocking. It, it, Chubb should be on everybody's watch list or even picked up because I think eventually he will cut into Carl's Hyde's touches. I mean, they drafted Chubb knowing they had Hyde in the contract, so it's not like they didn't know this was happening. It's, but, yeah, it's tricky in, in redraft leagues because Hyde has produced every week. You're oh. getting a very safe floor with Carlos Hyde. And, you know, until he gets hurt or until he stops being productive, Nick Chubb doesn't hold a lot of value in your standard redraft league, in my opinion. 
I, Dynasty, different story. Yes, Dynasty, love Nick Chubb because I think Hyde's a one-year deal and he's you know out the door. I agree with you about redraft with Hyde. Um, he does have injury history. Last year is the first year he played 16 full games. Contract here, now he's less motivated per se. But uh, with running back being as thin as it is, if I can afford a bench spot to just sit there, especially if I'm the Hyde owner and I'm saying, okay, I got my handcuff, I'm secured. I go ahead and grab him and just let him sit before somebody goes, you know, I got 22 points. You know what? What the hell? I pick him up. Somebody doesn't read the box score. They just read the point total. Right. Right. So, no, again, if, if you're the Hyde owner, 100% agree. You should be owning Nick Chubb. Again, I'm not spending a ton of fab on this guy. I'm not going to go out and spend, you know, 30, 40%. But if I can sneak in there and, you know, grab it for 5, 10% and just say, you know what? That's my lottery ticket. I'll let him sit, see what happens. Exactly. There's not much left. Exactly. Nope. 100% agree. Uh, so that rounds out our top performers at the running back position. Let's go through some of the guys where we're, we're dropping. Uh, Mike, go ahead. Who was your drop this week after week four? Well, again, I did this based on the rest of the year, not so much this week, but I am to you see it down a little bit. I am frustrated as hell with Alex Collins. The Ravens are pass happy. Now Flacco's fourth in the league in pass attempts. Apparently Lamar Jackson came in and Flacco's like, uh, no, I'm still playing guys. Chill out. Um, both Ravens running backs are very much in line with each other. They're touchdown dependent. Um, even though Collins has a touchdown in three of the four games this year, he's only scored over 12 points just once in PPR. As oh, a guy okay. who many people drafted in the fifth or sixth round saying that's going to be my safe floor RB2, if you listen to my advice, I'm sorry. But, you know, it, it's, been, it's been a blunder. It's been a screw-up. You know, Buck Allen's on the field for 46% of the snaps compared to 44 for Collins. The only bright side with Collins is he has 12 more touches than Allen does so far this year, but yeah, Allen's averaging more points. I wouldn't drop Collins because, like we just said, the running back position is so thin that you know you're going to drop him and then Karma's going to bite you in the rear, and this is the week he's going to break off for 24 points. But at this point, I can't start with any confidence. I'm setting him for a n- number of other running backs. No, that fumble on the one-yard line last week was pretty – Yeah, I mean, that, that aggravating too. You from going from get six points to losing two and from him being you know, more as a lead dog to Harbaugh saying sit down. Yeah, he's he's got to do a better job take care of the ball, or at this point it's going to be Buck Allen's show. And the problem is Buck Allen's wrapped up in most leagues, so you can't even bother saying, you know, let me secure myself with him. Yeah, Alex Collins fits in well on that uh, that Thelma and Louise that we were talking about earlier because I think if you if you own him, you're you're riding off that cliff with him. You have to. There's not enough out there to warrant dropping him. Now, after four after four weeks, you're absolutely right. Uh, John, who is your who are you dropping? Who's your who's who's on your list here? You'd expect someone else to have this besides me, but I'm I'm a realist, even though I am a Dolphins fan. Um, Kenyon Drake was someone I overpaid for in almost every draft I was in, and it's so frustrating. Last week he didn't do anything; it literally didn't do anything. This week, and you know, this talk of the town was that there was going to be Frank Gore was going to get eight to ten carries a week, and Kenyon Drake was going to lose some of the early down plays, but he would be involved in a passing game 100%. He had one reception this week for 13 yards. He had only three rushes. This whole – it was a game skip written. It was a game script written for Kenyon Drake to, to flourish, and he did absolutely nothing. I, I just – I don't know what the direction is of the Dolphins. I know they're playing from behind, and they had to take some shots down the field, but, you know, and I understand Drake is a very good blocking running back. He's probably the best in the league. But if he's not getting the touches or the or the, or the catches or the anything's, he's gonna uh, he's my drop he's my dropping running back of the week. Yeah, you don't get points for blocking, unfortunately. Last two weeks, eight carries, 
eight yards, five and a half PPR points. Time to say goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Brutal. All right. So I will discuss briefly here, Derek Henry and what a, I mean, we went from talking about Derek Henry and Deion Lewis in, in Tennessee is the one a and the one B the thunder and the lightning there, you know, the, you got the, there's that, that picture rolling around with, you know, Derek Henry looks like he's a foot taller and 80 pounds heavier than Deion Lewis. It looks like big brother, little brother, and everything is just trending down for Derek Henry. He's been the RB 45, the RB 48 this past week. He was the RB 41. Uh, he's, he's been just flat out ineffective. Um, it doesn't matter if it's positive game script. I mean, just, he is a guy that is just flat out droppable in terms of at the running back position this year, because you can get better off the waiver wire. You're better off picking up Nick Chubb and plugging him in and hoping than you are starting Derrick Henry. Is he one injury away from being fantasy gold though? Derrick Henry? Yes. Not really. Cause he hasn't done much when he's been given the opportunity but if he gets every carry and gets that fluent game, uh, you know, that fluent – he gets a, gets a little uh, – get yeah, himself so, going. So here, let's just – real quick, we'll run through this. So last week against Philly, eight carries, 24 yards. Jacksonville, 18 carries, 57 yards. Houston, 18 carries, 56 yards. Miami, 10 carries, 26 yards. They were fe- – weeks one, two, and three, they're feeding him the ball like an RB1, and he, you're getting 56 yards. Yeah, you're getting 57 yards. That's not gonna cut it for a guy that's supposed to be your lead back. 18 carries and averaging three yards a carry is not gonna get it done. Yeah, and I, you can even, you can even argue well Lewis is averaging only 3.3. But here's the thing that scares me off from him. Yeah, we're saying if Lewis gets hurt, he has the injury history is Henry fantasy gold. I don't think so. I don't think that offensive line's healthy. I don't think it's blocking very well. And here's the thing: the one rushing touchdown they have goes to Lewis, and it's from inside the five yard line. Now, if Derrick Henry's not getting the goal line work, what the hell is he doing on the team? Right. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, too, is he's not getting the goal line work either. So Henry is a guy that I I, I was high on when the year started. And every week it's like, well, uh, maybe one more week. And then one, I've, I've reached my limit with Derrick Henry. I think it's time to cut bait. So that rounds out our top 12, our top performers at the running back position. Over to wide receiver, where, again, a lot of familiar names on this list. We'll start with Cooper Cup, our wide receiver one from week four, 37.2 points. And actually, Mike, you are propping up Cooper Cup. Let's hear it. Well, for those of you who listened to the preseason wide receiver roundtable, we went back and forth about, you know, what Ram receiver do you guys want to own? Are they got to cut into each other's production? Is it going to be a guessing game? Well, we left out the one simple possibility that Jared Goff turns into Peyton Manning. So, all three of their receivers are top 15 in PPR. It, it, it's just the greatest show on turf since the greatest show on turf. I mean, it's just unbelievable what the Rams are doing. They should be heavy favorites for the Super Bowl. Uh, somebody might know more about Vegas Ben than me can give you an idea of what their you know, Super Bowl odds are. Their odds are go 16-0, and I probably bet on both because this team looks damn near unbeatable. Um, and they also have some guy named Todd Gurley. Yeah, he's, he's, pretty he's pretty good, pretty I good. Think, right? Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, he's okay. Yeah. yeah he's, he's like that Alvin Kamara dude or whatever. Yeah. yeah they're pretty but, good. Yeah. yeah, and the defense is just as good as the offense. Exactly. There's not a better team on paper. You <laughs> are correct. Yeah, yeah, as well. Correct, 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 correct. Um, the, the thing that gives me the edge for Cup over the other two is he's the wide receiver seven, but that's kind of inflated based upon the really big game he had last week. I mean, Jared Goff throwing five touchdowns against the Vikings. 
is a better deal than Trubisky throwing six against the Bucks. One's a very good defense, at least on paper, and the other, well, the three of us could probably score three touchdowns on him. So, you know. Agreed. Yeah. Um, but for cut, what sells out for me from him from the other two, and it's what I, my point was with him back in the preseason, he's golf's, golf's got to go to on third down and in the red zone. Um, he's third in the league in receiving touchdowns, and he's third in the league on targets on third down. So whenever the red chance that golf is feeling pressured or whatever, the first guy he looks for is Cooper Cup. And he probably doesn't have the same upside as a Cooks does because of the playmaking ability. But he's probably the safest guy week to week. So if you want the consistency, that's the guy you want. Oh, especially you're talking red zone and you're talking uh, third downs moving the chains. I mean that's 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 fantasy gold right there. That's you know that's six points and that's a that's a full point on those receptions. So it's funny because Cooper Cup is just out of reach. And last week there had to be five or six touchdowns that were a foot away from Cooper Cup's hands. Um, and I thought you know he's just not going to be on the same page as Jared Goff. It's not going to happen. And man, this this year he just he. He, everything goes right to Cooper Cup. It's like he's like a vacuum out there. He's great. Yeah, well, these two were, you know, even though Goff was a third-year player last year, it was kind of like his rookie year because the first year, well, Jeff Fisher, let's well, not go down that road. But, you know, them two had a good rapport going all the way back from OTAs and the mini camp, training camp. And, you know, when, when the best thing a young receiver wants is a guy he can trust, and usually that's the tight end. But on this team, they don't play the tight ends at all. They're, you know, extra bodies. So, Cup is the guy who golf turns to, and you know, like you said, if you play in PPR leagues, obviously, or at least you get points for first downs or whatever, he's the he's, guy you yeah. want. Fantasy gold. Fantasy gold. All right. Wide receiver two this week. Positive note for my Detroit Lions, Golden Tate, 33.2 points. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, our wide receiver three, 32.9. Our wide receiver, uh, where am I? Wide receiver four this week, Corey Davis and John, you are propping up. Actually, you got two guys you're propping up. One of which is Corey Davis. Run through both of them real quick, and uh, yeah, tell us about Davis, and then I'll I'll leave your your second wide receiver a little bit of a surprise. I don't think I have to say too much about Corey Davis. I think everybody already knows that he's been just ready to bust out for minus some injuries last year, and uh, you know a couple slow starts by Mariota this year. Uh, if they're on track, if they're making, if they're gonna had this uh, Corey Davis gets pelted with targets every week, but uh, he finally made it happen. I think he's going to, at this point on in the future, he'll be the go-to guy by far in Tennessee. And then uh, just real quick, I think that one of the problems in Green Bay this week, the concussions will lead to a opening spot for um, Martez Valdez Scanley. I think it'll be, from what I hear, he's probably going to be number two guy in Green Bay this week for an Aaron Rodgers offense. Uh, this is a weekly show, so I will prop up Marquise Valdez Scanling for my week, week two possible. Why yeah, I, two? I, I I like it. It's a sneaky pick. Um, we're going to pause our, our our top twelve performers here because I'm going to talk about Geronimo Allison real quick because he's actually a guy that I I'm propping up. Um, and you know, John, Seth, and I, and Danny back when he was on the show too, we were all um, you know we love tying wide receivers to these elite quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers is elite, so you can take anybody and plug them in, and you're going to get production. And that's what I like about Allison. Every week, PPR leagues, he's been over 12 points. That, in my head, you know, over 12 points in my mind, that puts you firmly in the wide receiver three or the flex every week, no matter what. Uh, you know, Cobb hamstring injury could be, could be, you know, out multiple weeks, could be out a week. It, it doesn't matter. You're getting points out of Allison. He clears concussion yeah. protocol. He is a must start. He is going to be, um, again, safe floor. 
high ceiling because he's tied to that elite quarterback. Yes. Took the words right out of, my out of my mouth. Exactly right. With Aaron Rodgers, he produces two receivers on a consistent basis that are, you know, top 24, top 27 guys. You know, as soon as he clears the concussion protocol, you should put him back in your lineup and just leave him there because he's second on the team and snaps and every receiving category, catches, targets, etc. And, you know, teams are going to roll the coverage towards Devontae Adams and he's going to be getting those one-on-one -on -one shots down the field. Then, you know, you, you love a play like that who has a lot of upside and a safe floor because, of, again, the elite quarterback play. Ellison was, Ellison was a common sleeper in the leagues this year. So I think everybody had him on the radar. Everybody knew his name. Uh, but I just this week coming up, if he doesn't, if he can't make it because of concussion protocol, that's the only reason I have Scanling in the, the position I have him in. No, that's it's that's not a bad play. Again, you're you're tying, you know, uh, a wide receiver to an elite quarterback. All right, let's get back on track here. Uh, wide receiver five, Taylor Gabriel, thirty point four points. Wide receiver six, Adam Thielen, twenty seven point five points. And our wide receiver seven, Amari Cooper, twenty six point eight points. So uh, I'm going to kick this over to Seth because Seth was actually uh, he's dropping. Uh, Golden Tate and Amari Cooper, they're on his, his drop list. So I'll let Seth explain why he's dropping the wide receiver two and the wide receiver seven this week. Uh, yeah, I'm dropping them because um, dropping them down and not really dropping them, but selling them because I think this is when you're going to get the most value for them. We talked in the earlier part of the show about Amari Cooper and how frustrating he is to own. So try and get rid of him as quickly as possible. Um, and then as far as Golden Tate, uh, Golden Tate is not a touchdown um, threat, really. Uh, in four games, he has three touchdowns, though, which means if he keeps this pace up, he's going to double his touchdown production, his best touchdown production um, pretty much ever uh, since he was in 2012 when he was playing in Seattle and had seven. He's already at, he's already at three. Uh, that's not what he does. Um, I think his his targets and stuff they're gonna be split around basically everybody in the the Lions team. You have Galladay and Marvin Jones and him. Hopefully they start putting Carryon Johnson in a lot more, letting him actually get a lot of run and some catches there. So I don't think he's gonna I don't think he's gonna break 120 targets like he has in over the past four years. I think you're going to see some regression there, and I think now is the time to get rid of him because he looks so good right now. It's it's tough because his past production, he's been the guy who's gotten 100-plus targets. He's He's been the, the unquestioned leader of that Lions offense in the wide receiver group. He is Stafford's uh, go-to guy. I mean, he made a great catch in the Dallas game. He, he what seems like once a week you see him make this great, you know, clutch catch. Um, I, I don't. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit here. I, I like the idea of trying to sell high on Golden Tate. I still think he's going to give you, you know, top 15 numbers every week, though. Yeah, I, I think I think he's going to keep steadily declining. I think that's the unfortunately. I think that's the trend that he's going to be on. Um, I mean, even if you look at just his numbers for this year so far, he went 15 targets in week one against the the Jets, which we know how that game went. Yeah, don't uh, remind me. Yeah, that's, it was bad. Uh, 13 <laughs> against San Fran, eight against New England, eight against Dallas. And and in order to, in order to have a productive game, he had to go eight for eight. 
for 132 and two. Like, yeah, that's a great stat line. But the week right before that, when he went eight, he went six of eight for 69 yards and had, uh, he had just such a mediocre outing there. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go with, I'd rather, I'd rather try and sell him high and try and get any of the plethora of wide receivers that, you know, that, that can jump in there and get something, get something valuable in return for him, especially with how bad running backs look right now. If I could flip a Golden Tate or an Amari Cooper to get me a consistent RB, you know, a consistent RB late one, early two, something like that, like I, w- I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Uh, I, go, on, go ahead, Mike. I totally agree with what you're saying there. Um, the one thing I would urge people not to do is try and sell him too low. He has been consistently a wide receiver two and people for the last four or five years. He's been in Detroit. But right now he's a receiver four. So if you can flip him to an owner who just looks at the box score and sees, man, look how great he's playing right now. Maybe you can convince some owner league who's frustrated with a star player who's underperforming, whether it's a Beckham or maybe you could trade him for Le'Veon Bell. Now we know he's going to be back in a couple weeks. That's the kind of trade you want to make. But you don't want to just sell him off for a couple of you know debatable flex playing starters and say, okay, well I got rid of him on a high note. I got some more depth now because he has consistently been a good wide receiver too for you. I'll give you a great a great example if you can make it happen. Marshawn Lynch for one of those two because he's one of those guys who because he's older. His name kind of gets like kicked into this like dumpy, like whatever type of zone. But over the past, uh, from all every game, he's had over 12 points so far. And his production is increasing each, each game. Um, I would, I, I would say that's an, that's an RB. That's a, that's a pretty consistent RB2 you could pick up there. And you could probably get somebody else as a throw-in, or get get something else off the waiver, um, like a like a Tyler Gabriel or somebody like that that has upside. And I'm not a huge Gabriel fan, but um, somebody with upside off the waiver wire, you're gonna get. I think you're gonna get something better in return there. Yeah, I don't know if I would trade Lynch for Tade. I mean, Cooper. I, mean, I can debate that. But would, I want to trade him for Tate straight up. I think it would have to be something else in in it too. Now, if you can get like a Kenny Galladay or something, when you receive with some upside to him that just had a bad week with Lynch, then absolutely, because then you're getting two yeah. starters for one. Um, the only thing with Lynch is, you know, last week was good. 20 carries, 130 yards, phenomenal. But the previous three games, he's averaging, you know, around three yards a carry. And the reason why he produced over 12 points is he got in the end zone. He got in the end zone. He got in the end zone. But that's what, Lynch, but that's what Lynch does. Yeah, I just don't necessarily want to bank trading a consistent PPR receiver for a guy who may be touchdown dependent to get you over 14 points consistently. But if, again, if, you, if you give me something else to go with, that a starting caliber receiver who may not have the same consistency, but maybe a little more upside or even not as much upside as Galladay with Lynch, I'll always take two starters with consistent yeah. value over one. Yeah. Yep, 100%. Uh, all right, maybe the most polarizing name on this list coming in at wide receiver eight, Julio Jones, twenty six point three points. Did all this without scoring a touchdown, but we'll save that conversation for another show when he finally scores. Does he ever <laughs> score a touchdown? Not yet. <laughs> on pace for exactly zero. Zero. Yeah, but Calvin Ridley scores a ton of touchdowns. Uh, we're going down a path we shouldn't be going down. I feel like we could be here two hours. Uh, Sterling Shepard, our wide receiver nine with twenty. 5.7 points. 
Another another Ram, Brandon Cooks, 25.6 points. Alshon Jeffrey, our wide receiver, 11 with 24 and a half. Seth, you're propping up Alshon Jeffrey. Let's hear it. Uh, he just looked really good coming back. And, I mean, Pat, you were propping up Carson Wentz. Um, I'm propping up Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, I think that Eagles attack needed him. Um, I think Eglor looked like he was a, a, a decent fill-in. But I think he's one of those guys that is not a, a true blue wide receiver one where Jeffrey is. Um, I think Jeffrey is going to get you – just a lot of these kind of games where he he looks good, where he he's going to get a lot of targets. He had nine targets, eight receptions, hundred yards, and a score. Like that's exactly that's exactly what you want. As much yeah. as I don't like Alshon Jeffrey, he's one of those guys. For, there's plenty of games I've watched where Alshon Jeffrey disappears the entire first half. You don't see him in the third quarter, and then all of a sudden, the fourth quarter, he has five catches for sixty yards and a touchdown. And it's Gets you 11, 12, 15 fancy points every week. He's that guy. Yep. And then rounding out our wide receiver, uh, our top performer, Stefan Diggs, 23.3 points. So I think that covers the all the guys we're, ta- we're propping. Let's talk dropping. Uh, Mike, who are you dropping after week four? Who's your oh, guy? The ride's over. Nelson Aguilar is – not worth holding on to at this point. Alshon Jeffrey's back. Zach Ertz is averaging 12 targets a game with Wentz on the center. And Aguilar's value has just simply tanked the last two games. And the two games with Foles, the Eagles, by the offense, made more things easier for them, you know, design plays to get the ball in Aguilar's hand. He averaged eight catches and 18.3 PPR points a game. However, since Wentz has come back, he has nine total catches and 13.5 total points. The ride's over with. We saw this last year with him. He had good games, and then he sunk off. And maybe if he turns it around and things work out better for him, you pick him back up. But right now, this seems like the only Eagles players you want in the passing game is Wentz, Ertz, and Jeffrey. You know, Jeffrey had an 18% target share on Sunday. Aguilar had a higher one, but yet Jeffrey caught 89% of his passes. Aguilar, only 42. He dropped a couple passes. He's not a high-touchdown guy. And it seems like Jeffrey and Wentz have that connection, despite the fact that this is Jeffrey's first game and Wentz's second game back. Aguilar yeah. is, you know, it was nice while it lasted, but if anybody expected him to keep playing at that high point level, you should have sold high because it wasn't going to happen. His, his catches are like three yards and four yards. He's not getting any yardage out of the catches he's making also. Exactly. The majority of his points is coming off the catch. He's not getting the ends on the yardages at a minimum. And they got plenty of other weapons to go to. So. Yeah, your your best bet with um, Eglor is that he gets a game where Wentz scrambles a little bit, finds him once or twice in a wide open type of play, and he's able to take it to the house. And now you are able to hopefully find one of those guys that are like desperate for a receiver that is hoping for just one of those Eglor. He got open at the right time and got a score type of guys. So. Interesting to, to 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 see because with Wentz back and you know he does like to spread the ball around, so we'll see what I mean. I agree with you all the points on Aguilar. His, the ride's over, but he could give you that one week. I'm not saying hold on to him for that hope of the one week, but again, Philly does spread the ball around, so yeah. be interesting. And uh, the guy we've talked about, I think the most 
is someone that John is uh, dropping after week four. John, what uh, what can you say about Chris Hogan that we haven't said already? I think we've already talked about <laughs> it enough. But I, nothing really – I, can, I can't say much more than we've already spoke about with Chris Hogan. He's just going to get buried in the depth chart now, and that's all I really have to say. Yeah, and I think uh, I, I'm going to take some heat for this one, but let me back it up as best I can. Um, I'm obviously not dropping him off my roster, but I'm expecting to see a decline uh, from Mike Evans for the rest of the season since they made the quarterback change uh, from Fitzpatrick to Winston. Um, in the three full games with Fitzpatrick, Evans had 30 targets, caught 23 balls for 367 yards and three touchdowns. Um, you know, the only real co- target competition there was Godwin, and one week had one less target. Evans was the target monster with Fitzpatrick under center. Winston replaces Fitzpatrick at halftime. And by my count, uh, he only targeted Evans on five plays in the second half. So with Jameis under center, Evans' numbers are going to take a hit. Um, You know, Jameis will spread the ball around a little bit more. He's not going to push the ball downfield. He has a great rapport with Cam Brate. So just looking again, this is one half. Um, Jameis targeted Godwin three times, Jackson three times, Humphreys six times, Cameron Brate three times. One of those went for a touchdown, and uh, Peyton Barber one time. So you're gonna, I, for me, I'm looking at a more even distribution of targets, and Jameis taking less shots down the field. Um, I'm I'm trying to sell Mike Evans if I can because I just I I those monster numbers that he put up the first three weeks aren't going to be there. Yeah. No argument here. I mean, I, I see kind of the whole the whole Tampa team. I think we're gonna. I, I think their true colors are gonna come out um, pretty pretty soon, and and it's not gonna be pretty because that defense is just atrocious. I, I think if the Bears proved anything this week, um, it's that Tampa Bay is just a horrible defense, and that offense. Uh, yeah, I mean, they have, they have the potential to put up 50 points. They showed that in the the first two games. Uh, but they, they, it's going to be hit or miss. They don't have the consistency to make it happen. And there's going to be games where everybody's going to be thinking, oh, this game is going to, you know, this game's going to total up to a hundred points combined and you're going to get just a complete dud. So I, I'm I'm looking at all the Tampa Bay guys and thinking, trying to think about how this switch to Winston is going to affect them and how much you know, they're going to they're going to turn into the real Buccaneers uh, and over the next uh, next few weeks. So yeah, and it's interesting. One of the guys, one of our, our our top performers in the tight end position, someone I'm propping up on the Bucks. We'll get to him in just a minute. Uh, let's get over to tight ends. Jared Cook. Topping the list again is our tight end one for the week with 31 points. Uh, George Kittle coming in second with 24 and a half points. Seth, you're propping up Kittle. Tell us why. Yeah, propped him up. Um, at, what was it last week, right? Propped him up last week. Uh, he came out and performed, and I'm propping him up again. Um, him and Bethard seem to click. I don't want to overplay the, oh, they played together, so they're going to have a great rapport. Uh, but they did look pretty good. Um, and then the most important reason is because they're going to play Arizona. And, I mean, there's there's some bottom-of-the-barrel teams, and Arizona's one of them. 
So I think this is going to be a game where, uh, you know, Breda and Kittle are going to be basically the only two options for San Francisco. And even though this is like, you know, being being the cherry on top of a poo-poo sandwich or a poo-poo ice cream cone. Uh, yeah, San Francisco, you're on top you're on top of that poo-poo ice cream cone that is the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Seth, Seth just ruined a start for kids all across the country. <laughs> Way to go, Seth. Good work. They're all gonna they're all gonna look at a ch- chocolate ice cream cone and be like, oh, I don't know about yeah. this. Wonderful. Bravo. Can, can I get a um, strawberry? <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting about this game and then the rematch or the second game they play later on this season, these are the two teams right now uh, vying for the number one draft pick in the league. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they both have their quarterbacks, obviously, so it's going to be interesting on the trade front later on. We'll not get into that. But I agree with you, Kittle, and again, I don't want to harp on. They both went to Iowa, him and Beth. I don't want to harp on that. But Kittle and Breed are the two Niners players going forward that I have confidence in. Everybody else, drop. Goodbye. Move on. It's just it's not going to be pretty. This is going to be a you know Niners offense that unless the other team comes out ill prepared like the Chargers did, they're going to just get punched in the mouth and beaten down because of lesser talent. It's just the unfortunate truth when Jimmy G went out. Yeah. Yep. 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 Moving on. Next. Uh, <laughs> tight end three. Zach Ertz. No surprise there. Twenty one point two points, followed by Travis Kelsey at twenty point eight points. Uh, Trey Burton making an appearance here, 16.6 points. He was our tight end five. Uh, Eric Ebron. You guys want to talk about him? All right, go ahead. No, we don't. Keep no. going. He scores <laughs> touchdowns. Boom. Tight <laughs> right. end five right now. Uh, I wonder what happened to Detroit. Yeah, it's, awesome. it's a running joke on Seth, but keep going on here. Keep running. Mm-hmm. No, that's not. Tyler Eifert, tight end, 7, 13.8. We talked about him in the injury. Uh, Jeff Swaim, our tight end, Cowboys. 8, 12.9 points. Finally, someone from the, at the tight end position producing for Dallas. They need somebody badly to catch the ball. I mean, they have like four tight ends there. None of them can do anything. Right. Uh, ugh, gross. I, I'm not not happy with my Cowboys right now. But but they did beat one particular team this week. Do you remember who that was, Pat? Uh, refresh my memory. You're going to do it anyway, <laughs> so just do it. Uh, I, I, I don't know. It, it, they won by two points, I think it was, right? No, I stopped paying attention. Sorry. <laughs> and it only took over 220 uh, all-purpose yards for, from Zeke to make it possible. Yeah. Hey, that, yeah. Good luck with that happening every week. That, that That's a horse, and we're going to ride it until we can't ride it anymore. <laughs> so by week seven, it's over with? Hopefully not. <laughs> All right, week eight, week eight or nine. Yeah. All right. Somebody's got to perform there. Sorry. Tangents. Yeah. We're good Moving at those. On. We're good at those. Uh, tied in nine, Darren Fells, 11.9 points. Uh, tied with Darren Fells actually is a guy I want to talk about. It. Uh, Cameron Brait, we touched on him. I did just a minute ago. Uh, he's coming up touchdowns in back-to-back weeks. He's been the tight end nine in back-to-back weeks. He's shown great chemistry with Jameis in the past. O.J. Howard's missing a couple of weeks. Coming off the bye in week five, week six, seven, eight, nine, they have great matchups. I'm firing up all the Cam Brate moving forward. Go out and get him if he's on the waiver wire. I think it's a great pick for especially a waiver wire pickup here because, I mean, the tight ends are just 
they're just atrocious. I mean, you have Cook, Kittle, Ertz, Kelsey, and Ebron because Ebron keeps scoring touchdowns. Stop that it. are kind of that are kind of like they're the guys that have been on this list the most. Um, and other than that, it's just a rotating. It's just a rotating door of a, a new set of guys that are the other like six tight ends that round out the top twelve. Yeah. And if Cameron Brait, if if you don't have one of those guys, Cameron Brait could be that seventh guy in the rotation because um, Winston loves him, and that Bucks, like I said, the Bucks defense is so bad he's gonna have to throw the ball and. He loves throwing to camp, so make make it happen. Yeah, again, great great rapport, and it might be this might work out well if he is on your waiver wire because they do have a buy coming in week five, so he might not get claimed. So if you have the the, the roster space or the roster depth, maybe try to sneak him in tomorrow morning after the waivers clear. See yep. what happens Wednesday morning. See if he goes unclaimed, and just don't have to spend any fab on him. You pick him up, you stash him, and you roll him out there in week six. Yeah, or or wait for somebody that needed to make a roster move because somebody was able to be on the IR, or not on the IR, or somebody got a last minute injury and they need to drop somebody. Cameron Braid's kind of that little dangler that they're going to cut off yeah. in order to make space. And yeah, look look for a sneaky play with, especially with him having a bye week coming up. Yep, yep, I agree. All right, uh, Jimmy Graham comes in at our tight end eleven at eleven point one points. And we have a tie here for our tight end 12. We have Antonio Gates and Cal Rudolph coming in at 10.7 points. Mike, you're dropping Antonio Gates. Let's hear why. Well, it was a nice feel-good story that Gates, you know, saddle off season. Hunter Henry gets hurt. The Chargers are going to start Virgil Green at tight end. And Gates says, you know what? What the hell? I'll come back and play one more year. But even as bad as a tight end situation is big for fantasy owners, he's a tight end 28 in PPR. He's had seven catches all year long. The only reason he scored the 10 points is he got the touchdown. He hasn't scored over seven and a half in any other game this year. And just to top it off, Gates has a bad matchup in four of his next five games, smacked in the middle with a bye week. You know, aside from when he plays Cleveland next week, where I would try and grab him in DFS for the cheap, I want nothing to do with Gates. It was a, He's back. He's playing marginal snaps. He's getting a couple catches here or there. There's no reason why, even as bad as a tight end position has been, that he should be on a roster. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I I liked him. I thought I thought in week one when he came out and like you know basically fresh off of the couch, you know, eating soda and eating Cheerio, uh, Cheerios and watching the football games. Like I thought he was gonna do nothing and saw him had like a relatively productive game. I'm like, okay, we we got Antonio back. We might have a little something, but he's mm. definitely definitely waned. Um, and yeah, if he, if he doesn't have a favorable matchup, like playing against San Francisco again, yeah, I, I, I can't see, I can't see rolling him out. No, the Hunter Henry injury was the worst thing that could have happened because you're forced to look at a guy like Antonio Gates and possibly trotting him out every week. Yeah. Yeah. So. You're better off taking a deep shot at somebody with some upside, whether it's an Ian Thomas or Nick Bennett. At least you know with them. You know, they may get you two or three points, but they could have the breakout game as opposed to Antonio Gates. Unless he gets the touchdown, you're getting four points out of them at best. Yeah. 
So this is this is interesting because Mike and John are Mike is propping and John is dropping. It's the same guy. So I'm going to turn it over to you two. I'm going to let you guys duke it out on uh, on why you have this player here. And, and then we'll, and then we'll judge you guys and see how how well you made your arguments. Absolutely. All right. Well, once again, this is a weekly show, and Gronk is not going to play, so this is a uh, a dropping. I don't. Th- I'm pretty sure. Sh- I'm almost positive Gronk's not going to play this week. He's too important to the team to rush him back with an injury. So I am just temporarily dropping Gronk down for the this for this week. I I totally agree. If Gronk does not play, you should not put him in your starting lineup. That's fantasy one. <laughs> but and again, I we're do think- so revolutionary here. <laughs> <laughs> I do think there's a good chance he does not play. Like you said, he's important to the team for success, and they do not want to risk him with you know a nagging injury just for a short game against the Colts. They're favored to win by 10 points. There's no need to. Um, but in the long run, Gronk, if somebody even uh, if you have an owner in your league who has Gronk and has grown frustrated with the you know five, seven, nine point games the last couple of weeks, go get him. Because what has been the biggest problem for Gronk is opposing teams have taken him out of the game. And told Brady, you see Chris Hogan, you see Philip Dorsett, you see Cam, or you see Cordell Patterson. Good luck. Yeah. Okay. Now with Edelman back, with Josh Gordon getting involved in the offense, with the running game getting going, defenses can't just load up on Gronk and tell Brady good luck because he's going to say thanks, don't worry about it. And Edelman and Gordon will go off for twenty five each, and you'll lose. Don't forget so Hogan. the Hogan for ten points. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> with with uh. The new piece with the pieces back in place, Edelman and Gordon's development, etc. Uh, Gronk's not going to see as many double teams, and even so, he's averaging 11 PPR points per game, and that's the tight end seven. And you know what? Don't turn your down nose at seven, 11 points a game because there's not many other tight ends who's doing it on a consistent basis. So while he may not play Thursday, his next five match five matchups are all against tight ends or teams who struggle against the tight ends. So if you got an owner who's like, you know, I'm sick of this. Gronk's always hurt. He's not consistent. The Patriots are finally over, which they're not. Go make an offer. I mean, if you can trade, you know, a Corey Davis for him, go do it. Because I don't think Davis is going to be able to keep up that high production. That's a that's a bold take right there. I like it though. I am trying to trade Corey Davis for Gronk in a two tight end league where I got Trey Burr and Eric Ebron. So if you can make it happen. Two tight use that a lot, but it, so if it were a single tight end league and you had Corey Davis on your bench, because I don't think many people were starting him this week, uh, nope. would you trade Corey Davis for Gronk? Now, the situation I'm trading him for, I have really good receivers. So I'm not, Davis is not a guy I'm guaranteed start a week in and week out. I have, you know, I have Adams, I have Cup, I have, um, I have Will Fuller. I have T.Y. Hilton. So I'm not necessarily – he's got to be a play for me. It's a league where I can afford to trade some of the depth to improve at a weak spot. So, again, if you play Davis as your one or your two, don't trade him for a tight end. You can stream at that position better. But if you can if, trade him on the high for somebody on the low, straight up. If somebody's playing Corey Davis as their number one wide receiver, may God have mercy on their soul. They're in trouble. <laughs> They're in trouble, yeah. Yes. All right, let's wrap up tight ends here. we got a couple more guys to cover. Um, we've covered everybody that's getting propped. No, we have not. John, you are actually propping up uh, someone who's on the injured list right now. Tell us who it is and why. Just real quick, Greg Olson, just because, uh, like we talked about before, there's only four or five good tight ends this year. Um, if you got a chance to uh, 
to get Greg Olson one week before he comes out and plays again, which I think is the case. Uh, I, I, you have to go after anybody that's going to give you hope at the tight end position besides the top five guys because everybody else in this league this year is just a shell game. It's it's so hard to play this year. Yeah, it's not a bad it's not a bad strategy to try to grab him. Just make sure he's not the only tight end on your roster because he is one uh, one more broken foot away from his career being over. Well, if you don't have one of the top five tight ends, you only have one tight end on your roster anyway. So it's you know that it's 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 a horrible year for tight ends. Yeah, you have like a point five tight end. Yeah, you don't have one of the top five. Yeah. Uh, all right, we got two guys left here. Seth, who is on your – who are you dropping? Who's on your list here? Yeah, so I'm going to throw Ben Watson out there. Uh, I was super excited for Ben Watson, especially going up against the Giants who have been you know, really bad historically against tight ends. Um, and he produced like nothing. Um, and, and even more concerning, uh, he produced nothing, and Josh Hill started getting – uh, a little bit of play, which um, that's that to me, that's even more concerning. Like if Ben Watson just didn't do anything, um, like I would be like, eh, that's all right. But Josh Hill ended up with the same number of targets, but he caught all three of his targets, whereas Ben Watson only caught one. Um, and Josh Hill took those three for 63 yards and Watson took his one for 23. So, uh, I, I just don't, I I don't think you have any reliability in new Orleans at the tight end position. And it's one of those things where he's going to be a guy because he, he, he was through the first four weeks where all of a sudden, like he pops up and that, that top 12, uh, I think he went as high as top six. Um, and you're like, oh, this is it. We finally, like, we got a tight end in New Orleans that can do something, and you're just fooling yourself because Ben Watson is a guy that is going to basically be hit or miss based on how good, based on how good, you know, New Orleans plays and based on whether or not Breeze can hit him on a few open looks. or And and I I just don't want to play any of that. it, it just I'd, – I'd much rather play a wide receiver in New Orleans if I have one. Or Kamara. Kamara would be great. Yeah, he's a pretty good start, I think, week in and week out. You think so? Damn, we we, we are hitting the hard-hitting facts <laughs> right? of a fantasy right. football right here. Start Kamara. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. I guess that, he's okay. Yeah, he's, he's probably matchup proof, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, and, any hot takes on Ben Watson, guys? No? Okay, no, thanks. No, right, moving, move, on. moving on. Moving on. All right. <laughs> last tight end here. I'm going to talk about Ricky Seals-Jones um, and why he should be on your drop list. He's he's only scored over 10 points once this year. He's only gone over 50 yards receiving once this year, and it was a whopping 52 yards. They just switched over to a rookie quarterback. Their offense has been downright bad this year, and I don't mean bad in a good way. I mean bad bad, bad. Uh, there are better options at tight end than Ricky Seals-Jones. Find somebody else. <laughs> that sounds yeah. about right. There's yeah. plenty of better options out there, yeah. despite how bad the market is. Yeah, yeah. 
So that does it. That's our top performers. Those are guys we're propping and dropping. We're going to cover some games in week five that we're looking forward to watching, some games that intrigue us. Uh, we'll start off Chicago and Tampa Bay have a bye this week. Uh, so make sure you, again, don't start anybody playing for the Bears or the Bucks because they're not playing this week. Uh, Mike, take it away. Let's hear about the game that you are looking forward to the most this week and why. Well, the game I'm looking forward to is the one I think we've talked the most about, the Colts and the Patriots this week. Last Thursday night's game was outstanding. You know, they are finally putting good games on Thursday night instead of giving us Browns, Titans, six, nine-point game. Nobody cares. Barn burners, shootouts, we love it. Um, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, you can find my weekly rankings on Twitter at MikeSports22. And I have a lot of fantasy-relevant players in this game, uh, both Brady and Luck are top six plays for me. Michelle and White are safe RB2s. Hines is a borderline RB2, high-end flex in PPR, assuming Mac does not play. Um, Edelman is the only receiver I would play in either team with any confidence. I think Gordon needs another week. He only played 22% of the snaps against the Dolphins last week. So give him another week to get involved in the offense, get a better report grade. And then next week's probably the game you want to start with confidence. Um, we already went over if Gronk is going to play or not. If he does, start him, obviously. If not, we already went over, pull him out of your lineup. Ebron's a top six tight end option for me. He's been very solid so far. Uh, he's a little touchdown dependent, but as you see, the Colts, when they get in that red zone, it's Ebron or bust pretty much. Like, I would not play any of the non-T.Y. Hilton wide receivers for the Colts. I'm just not sure who is the one who's going to get the targets, the yards, etc. I mean, if you want to take a shot on, you know, Ryan Grant in DFS, that's probably the best bet. But again, I would stay away from it and redraft. And being that it's a prime time game, and it should be because it's going to be a shootout. Uh, two great quarterbacks, two mediocre defenses. Expect a lot of fantasy points. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. All yeah, I fire up as many Colts and as many Patriots as you can. This is going to be a shootout. This is going to be an in, a really interesting game also because the Colts have been a sneaky good defense and an offense that can find ways to do what they need to do partly because it's led by Andrew Luck and New no, England completely. yeah New England just had their get right game against Miami sorry sorry John but like they they needed that to get right like all right okay keep going yeah keep going Miami yeah. come on in we're gonna we're gonna stop the living doo doo out of you to make us feel like we're patriots again, and that remember that what we do to the NFL. Um, and, Thanks, I appreciate that. Yeah, um, that's that's basically what happened. Sorry, but <laughs> it, it's gonna be interesting because do do the Patriots you know come in? Well, not come in, but do the Patriots you know play the same? level of play that they played against Miami or because it's the Colts, it's somebody that they don't have as much familiarity with, you know, does, does that play into effect any in, in here? So I, I like the pick Mike. It's definitely going to be an interesting game at the very least. Cause like we said, no defense, a lot of scoring and they put it in prime time for a reason. Yep. I'll take, I'll take Indy in the 10. <laughs> I think it's a touchdown game, but 10 is a little much. Oh mm-hmm. uh, yeah, see, I, normally we yeah, we bet the lines in here. I'm not a big fan. I I don't bet. I don't gamble. So the lines mean nothing to me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you're talking about a shootout. I'm going to talk about a game. I think it's going to be a shootout. I'm looking at the Falcons and the Steelers again. You got two bad defenses, 
you have two very good quarterbacks with a lot of weapons on offense. You got Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, uh, Tevin Coleman, Edo Smith, Austin Hooper. You got Big Ben. You got Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, James Conner, and whichever tight end for Pittsburgh decides to show up this week, it's you know whoever I'm playing. If I'm playing Vance McDonald, it's going to be Jesse James. If it's Jesse James, it's going to be Vance McDonald. So a lot of points. It's going to be a fun game. That's the one I'm looking forward to the most. Hey, yeah. Pat, do me a favor and play Jesse James for me because I got McDonald. So. <laughs> All right, I'll plug him in in one lineup for you. There you go. Appreciate it. All right. Vegas has the over-under at 57 for this. Over. That's not high enough. It, it's over. Yeah, it, it, is, it is a touchdown over the other games yeah. that are close. Yeah. So, that like, even – when when all the bookies are saying, yeah, this game's going to be a high-scoring game, you kind of got to figure it's going to be, especially because, like, Mike, you were trying to make the claim that the Patriots and Colts don't have a defense. No, the, Fal- have the Falcons and Steelers, like, they might as well be playing with seven men out there. They might as well be playing with none out there. Neither one can stop anybody. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm firing up all the Falcons and Steelers I can get my hands on. Absolutely. <laughs> Except for the defense. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you don't need a defense, stop playing right now. Yes. Boom, more hard-hitting <laughs> I just say what I think. It's the truth. <laughs> All right, Seth, what, what game are you looking forward to? Uh, so I'm, I'm going to keep going with my thought on Pat Mahomes here. I'm going to bring it all the way back to the beginning of the show. Uh, I am super excited about the Jacksonville Jags uh, going to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, because I, I, I think this is going to be one of the most challenging games that the Chiefs are going to play, and I think the Jags have an opportunity here where, like you said, who knows which Bortles we're going to get. Are we going to get the Bortles that looks like a surgeon out there carving up the Kansas City, uh, Kansas City defense, or are we going to get the Bortles that, you know, Bortles all over the field? Um and like Pat Mahomes against this, um, like one of the best defenses in a long time. Yeah, like I'm, I'm excited to, I'm excited to see what happens. If Pat Mahomes walks out of this game with like two fifty and two, I'm gonna be like, all right, never mind. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop all my bad, bad mouthing, and I'm gonna throw him in the car with Chris Hogan. And we we are driving off that cliff together, all all three of us. This is certainly a game where we're going to see if Mahomes is for real or a pretender. This is the toughest defense he's going to face all year long. And I know it's in Kansas City, so that's kind of an advantage. It's home field for him. But mm-hmm. like you said, if he gets 250, 260, and two touchdowns without throwing two or three picks, I'm with you. Get, move over. Give me a seat in the car. Let's go off the cliff together. <laughs> Well, we'll make it a bust because there's going to be a lot of people loading loading in there if that happens. Yeah. yeah. We're going to need the seats. All right, John, who do you like in week four? Last game. Uh, week, five, week five. Who do you like in week five? I like Minnesota. Minnesota was supposed to have the juggernaut defense this year. They have a sh- they had a shutout. They had a shootout in L.A. versus the Rams. They got smoked by the Bills. They tied Green Bay, giving up giving up 29 points. But look good against Garoppolo in week one wow, with three picks and three sacks. Uh, Philly had a good game, good defensive game week one versus Atlanta. They got rolled by Fitzmagic week two, barely beat Andrew Luck in week three, and lost to my favorite quarterback, Marcus Mariota, and the Corey Davis breaking out party <laughs> last week. So 
I uh, both these teams are on a roller coaster ride. I think Minnesota Vikings just have a little more continuity this season. I'll take Minnesota in the three points in this game. Another, I think we all we all pick games with lots of fantasy implications. A lot of fantasy players here spread across the uh, the eight teams. I like it. All a lot right. of great picks. It'll be interesting to watch those games. Well, that's what we're in this game for, watching for the fantasy points, because that's, nobody actually watches for the game anymore, right? Well, unless right. you're not even <laughs> obscene amount, unless you're a degenerate gambler, which none of us on this podcast are. So not not. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do not take any of this gambling advice. Yes. <laughs> none. All right. Well, that does it for our week four recap. Uh, make sure you like rate, review the pod. We're on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play. Uh, we're everywhere. So make sure you, you find one of those, you listen, you like, you rate, you review. Make sure you let us know. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Dynasty underscore Pat. Uh, Seth, where can the fine people find you on Twitter again? At FF, the at-home dad. And make sure you guys get in touch with us about that DeAndre Hopkins jersey. That's right. Uh, at FFD260 on the Twitters. John, let the fine people know where they can find you. You can find me at JF McGlynn on the Twitter machine. Thank you very much for listening. And thank you very much, Mike, for joining us this week. Mike, send us off for the night. Tell the people where they can find you on Twitter again. And uh, thanks again for joining us. Absolutely, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Hopefully, this could be a more than a one-time event. You can find me on the Twitter machine at MikeSports22. Definitely check out the uh, DeAndre Hopkins jersey because we all know in America we all like free stuff. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for the listen. We'll see you next week. Good night. Good night. Good night.